Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tyler Osek, it's glad to have you back on. I know we're kind of re-recording. The last time I was kind of sick, so we're kind of changing things up a little bit. But uh, how's your how's your offseason been, man? It's going good. Uh, you know, I'm just out here in Arizona. I'm in Glendale uh, training at the White Sox facility. Uh, so I'll go up there Monday through Friday and work out there 9 to 1 and then just try and give lessons and and do a little bit of uh, work with kids after that. So that's yeah. what I'm doing. No, for sure. And I, I see you grinding. I see you posting all the time on Instagram and TikTok and all the kind of stuff. Like, uh, like, how's the business going? Yeah, yeah, no, it's going good for sure. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I started up a little remote training program where it's just, you know, I'm giving these people about three to six months of programming for hitting routines and, and workouts. And because I found out, you know, what made me good wasn't really just being uh, what I did at practice, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff I did when I wasn't at, at the field. Uh, like going to the gym, practicing in the cage and stuff like that. That made me good. So I just wanted to help kids do the right shit, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, What is maybe like one of the number one questions like young athletes or like college athletes ask you when you're training? Like what's like maybe their biggest question that they have for you? I think that they're just kind of searching for like a kind of like a routine to do in the cage, you know, because I guess you go to lessons or learn from a hitting coach, a private hitting coach, but they're trying to find some routines that, that they could go do every single time they go and hit in the cage that'll help them lock in for their game or their practice, whatever that is. So uh, that's pretty much the biggest uh, question. And then some some lifting stuff, too, as well. But oh, I feel like a lot of kids kind of have uh, a good grasp on that on their own as well. Yeah. So then aside from that, like what would maybe be like your biggest advice for like guys trying to make it, trying to become better hitters? Um, you talked about like the stuff like working out uh creating a routine but like what's maybe 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 that's the answer but what's like the biggest advice you have for guys like that i'm I'm a big believer in that you could kind of make yourself into whatever you want to be yeah and i think that if you it's going to take some time some people it's going to take a a little longer than others but if you do the right stuff and you do it consistently and you know i i'd say if you work out five to six times a week, get in the cage five, six times a week and practice baseball a lot. Like you're going to get good. And it's about just doing the right things, you know, just going to the gym, uh, practicing baseball and making sure you're doing the right stuff. But if you do it for a long enough time, you're going to get where you want to be. Yeah, no, for sure. I might, I might have to sign up for your, uh, your classes and see if you can make me a non-baseball player. (laughs) Somewhat of a hitter. No, for you, bro, I'll give it to you for free. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. We'll we'll see. Let's do that. We'll do that, and then maybe I'll have to show up there in Arizona sometime and see if I yeah. can uh, face a couple couple of batter uh, pitchers and see, you know, if you're if you're uh, the guru for uh, for non baseball players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we'll see. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I just learned this. I took all the stuff that I learned from all my coaches mm-hmm. and my dad and stuff like that. You know. It's funny because, you know, I didn't really growing up, I didn't really think I had it all figured out. I just mm. I listened to what my coaches and my and my elders had to say. And that's yeah. how I got good. That's the only thing, you know, what was what, what was maybe the biggest advice your dad gave you? Because obviously he was a pro player. He was you. But you were around baseball since you were a kid. Um, and we'll get into that. But like, I mean, obviously, he's I'm sure he's coached you throughout 
um probably even still now like what's the, maybe some advice that he has given you that you're like oh man it's good yeah um i mean his biggest advice has been with uh i'd say with hitting he, he uh he's really studied the swing and knows a lot about hitting and just helped me a lot throughout my entire life like since we were i was nine or ten years old i still remember he would be showing me videos of like albert pools swing in slow motion and, and showing me like what to look for in the swing so that i can pick up what the right correct movements are and um and then he's just gave me a, all my hitting stuff is pretty much came from my dad because um you know he played for 10 years in the big leagues but he was a backup for a lot of his career and he said on the on his last couple years he really watched like what the best hitters did because he's like all right on my way out as a player i'm going to really focus on what the best guys do and why they're really good so he would focus he would watch ryan zimmerman's hitting routine yeah he would watch um barry bonds he would watch um albert pools and just all those guys and he he would ask them questions and kind of figure out what they did and why they were so good and mm -hmm. then he just shared not just me he shared it to all the people that he came across and and helped a lot of kids as well and that's kind of what he's doing with his life but yeah so he, he he's been very good on the on the hitting side with me and how sick is that that you can have your dad who's been in the major leagues show you just break down swings with you of like legends like poo holes and um Barry Bonds and like all these guys who you know he played in the same era with and like he can just show you like what made them great and then kind of show you how to use that or implement that into your like career and stuff yeah you know it's it's big and I and I mean it's a super it's super helpful to, you know since since a young age I've been able to have him to I guess be able to uh, learn from get advice from he's taught me what the best players do and then I just try and copy that and implement it in myself and see how it works and and it's been super helpful and I'm really appreciative that he's helped me a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. And let's, let's talk about that. Cause obviously um, the last time you were on, you were telling me a story about how um, like in the clubhouse, like you had gotten your first chew. Yeah. It was just, you know, we were out uh, hitting batting practice. They were hitting in the, on the field and he, he's like, Hey guys, can you guys watch my kid for like five minutes? I'm going to go inside and get something from the locker room. And my dad goes inside and then Brian Giles pulls me over and he goes, Hey kid, he goes, this is like pop rocks. Let me put it in your lip. He goes, don't, don't swallow it. He said, just spit it out. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And he takes a little dip of a uh, Copenhagen mint, puts it in my lip. And then, and then my dad comes back. He's like, Hey, I, I let you guys watch my kid for five minutes and you guys put a dip in his mouth. Jeez. That's yeah. awesome. And that's, that's just kind of like the, the clubhouse vibe. Then as like a kid, you were just in that environment. Um, do you think that kind of helped you out as like, now you're in like the clubhouse with the guys in the white Sox and stuff like just that clubhouse environment, like learning how to, how to act after a loss, after a win, um, things of that nature. Yeah, I guess that definitely has helped. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of been normal to me. I mean, this is how I've grown up and I've been inside of clubhouses and just in and out my entire life, whether that's, when my dad was playing in professional or now he's coaching college. So, and then he also works at a baseball facility. So it's just, I've always been around the game. So it's, you know, you kind of figure it out on your own. Just, you just adapt to it. No, so. for sure. Um, kind of, kind of random question. It's just maybe how my brain works, but like your dad having played like a while, not a while back, but a decent while back. Um, now looking at like the, the low batting averages, um, like the, the three true outcome kind of style of baseball. Does he ever like, they talk to you about that kind of style and how like things are so much different now than, than uh, the way it used to be back when he was playing. Yeah. I mean, I would say he doesn't really enjoy watching today's. <laughs> um, I, I guarantee you a lot of people from that era probably don't, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, I guess from what he was brought up on was the fun- fundamentals, playing mm-hmm. the game the right, being a good teammate, moving runners over, trying to trying to win baseball games, and not just being solely for your statistics on on the home run side. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know it's probably a tough game to watch when you go watch a game and there's 20 strikeouts on on a side and not really putting balls in play and non-competitive at bats and it's kind of sad i mean i i I think it's just that the game has been become so analytical and uh they're not really rewarding like i'd say performance as much it's like it's it's just money-based political Mm -hmm. and it's just uh i i guess the analytics has has really overdrawn the game where it's like these people are thinking that they can rewrite the rule books and do their own thing and it's just not working i mean it, it 250 is considered a good batting average nowadays. Like yeah. that, that, that should not be a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, gotta, gotta figure out how to turn this back in a different way. Do you think but the I shift is going to help or banning the shift? So I don't know what it is, but all I know is like, it would be way more entertaining for fans. It would be more entertaining for players. I don't like going and watching games and just watching fucking a lot of strikeouts, yeah. no balls Play. you could pretty much stick people at any defensive position because there's no there's not that many balls in play like mm-hmm. it's so it is what it is and like you you've always and you are and you have been like pretty good decent like hitter like your average is good like you make a lot of contact um is that yeah. something you like you pride yourself in just like based off like the way baseball is now yeah i mean i just grew up watching where like i remember wa- growing up like i valued batting average like i always thought the best hitters and the best players were the guys that had the highest average. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that when you, when you hit for high average, the, the power and the extra base hits come as well. I think if you try and hit for average, that's when, that's when the extra base hits and the power will come opposed to if you're trying to hit for extra base hits and home runs, I think that's when you go down a little slippery slope of stuff like that. And I mean, it's not easy though, because that's what the game pays for. They mm-hmm. pay for power. That's why a lot of people are trying to do it. You know? Yeah. You see a lot of guys with like, Two twenty, two thirty batting averages, but they'll have like 30, 40 home runs and like they're making money. Like they're like, it's crazy how like people value different things now. Yeah. For me, I just don't like walking back to the dugout after strike. So what do you, so when you do strike out, like what kind of, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, I mean, if you have a bad game, like how do you stay mentally strong? Cause obviously like that's a huge thing. Striking out is going to happen. You know, uh, having bad outings as a pitcher is going to happen. Um, you've gone through adversity, right? Like Tommy John injuries and stuff like that. Like, how do you stay positive? Oh, what's up? Yeah, this is Big Kev. This is one of our equipment managers. Oh, what's good? What's happening, Big Kev? He's the freaking man. Yeah. You're hanging out with us. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, well, I'll I'll get back to my question in a second, but where where y'all hanging out? So y'all got breakfast and stuff. Like what's, what do you guys mount to? Yeah, yeah. We're in Tempe right now. What do you got to say, Kev? What's up? Nice to meet you. Uh, Francisco. Francisco, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too, man. Heck yeah. Do are y'all three? Yeah, so, th- do y'all three uh, live together over there? Is like, are you just roommates? Uh, me and Addison live together, and okay. then um, Ev's over here just hanging out with us for the weekend. Guys, oh, weekend. <laughs> guys, weekend. Guys, <laughs> weekend. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes, sir, Kev. What what does he what does he do for the uh, the White Sox? He's clubhouse manager. Oh, sick. Okay, cool. Yeah, he works with the complex out in Arizona, and he takes care of pretty much everything that, you know, he makes our lives a lot easier. He he helps us with, uh, he does the laundry. He oh, holds cool. everything. He makes sure that everything goes smoothly in the clubhouse, and 
that it's an easy day for us, you know, so that we don't really have to focus on that stuff. Yeah. We can just work on the baseball stuff that he takes care of all that. That's cool. Is he, is he there year round or does he go? <laughs> what, what'd you say? Oh, is he, is he there year round or what? Uh, fall. So he's here for the fall. And mm-hmm. then he, uh, he, in during the season, he goes and he, he helps out with the different affiliates. So he'll go from Kannapolis. He'll go to Winston-Salem and then he'll go to Birmingham. Yeah. He's pretty he, Spends a week at each place and then just uh, goes to each one. What a life. What a life. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. It's crazy. All right. Well, at least now I know who to who to reach out to to get me into the uh, the stadium over there whenever I feel like traveling. <laughs> yeah. He'll hook you up. He's a big NASCAR fan. He's got his Jeff Gordon shirt on right now. Oh, yeah. oh that's crazy. I never. That's one. Th- that's probably going to end this relationship with him and I. But I guess one thing I never got into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't either. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand just watching cars driving. Like he's probably frustrated because I'm sure he hears this a lot too. But just watching cars <laughs> drive in circle after circle, I'm like, why? Like I don't, I don't, I don't see the point. But uh, I don't yeah, either. you have to be really drunk to appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You gotta get lights. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got to get on those bus lights, you know, to really appreciate it. You know? like, that's where, that's how you appreciate the alcohol. Exactly. There you go. Okay. That's good to know. It's good to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so back to like the mental side of things. Like when you strike out or if you have a bad game, um, we're going through adversity. Like you, like I said, you had Tommy Johnny injuries. Uh, like wh- wh- how do you deal with mental, the mental side of the game? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I have a bad game, I just honestly don't really care that much. Like, uh, just because it's like, you know, baseball's so hard. And, you know, you're going to have good games and you're going to have bad games. And the cool thing about it is that's what I do like about how playing every day is, you know, the next day you got another chance to go out there and hopefully do something good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not easy. Um, you're going to have stretches where you stink, but the – when you do do good, it's pretty rewarding and it feels good. And it just makes it feel better when you, you know, your work does pay off and you have a couple hits and maybe a double or something. Yeah, no, for sure. So going back into your childhood and stuff, when did you, uh, when did you realize that, you know, maybe you could make a career out of baseball or maybe you're a little bit better than the rest? Yeah. I mean, I would say growing up, I would, I was always pretty good hitting. And, um, <laughs> and then when I got to like, you know, at 12 years old, I was probably like in my area, probably the best, player and then from i'd say from 12 to 15 I, I wasn't and a lot of a lot of kids that i grew up with started to get a lot better than me and and then you know i just saw them get uh, pass me up and i saw them starting to get scholarship offers and stuff like that and i was just it just hit me one day and i was like you know what do i want to do in my life what do, mm. do i love or do i want to try and pursue this and then i just thought about it and i was like yeah you know i really do like it and but if i'm gonna do it i want to take it serious and that's when i kind of started getting into um, you know, working out and trying to get good at baseball. And I just started doing the things that I do now, but I started doing it at 15 or 16 and then slowly, but surely like over, you know, it took maybe two years, but then I started to get good again. Yeah, no, for sure. And what was, um, I mean, who, who was maybe one of the guys in your area, uh, who maybe went pro, maybe went D one, who was like just that dude in like the ba- in that, in your area where you kind of were playing at who, you know, it was like, everyone knew that was like that D one commit or that was like that pro ball. I'm going to get drafted kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, I would say growing up, it was this kid, Andrew Gazzola. He went to Stony Brook and um, he had a great career. And, um, but me and him played travel ball together. 
And then me and him were, you know, we would hit three and four and stuff. And then I just saw him start to get a lot better than me. And he was kind of the guy who, you know, motivated me to try and get good again because I see he got an offer from Stony Brook pretty early. It was like 10th grade. So I was like, you know, I got, I got to catch back up because he, he was, he was a lot ahead of me at that time. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, just started trying to do the right things. But he, he had a great career. He played for four years, started at Stony Brook and, and he was one of the best players I ever played with, you know, so. That's awesome. So then when did you start looking at schools and stuff? Like obviously you went to, um, not, you went to a uh, Chipola for your first year. Um, yeah. Why, why the Juco route? I mean, obviously like the Juke, Chipola, like one of the better Juco's out there probably can compete with any school, any D one school out there. Um, but like what, what was kind of the reason to be going there? Yeah. Better. <laughs> what do you say? Addison, Addison said San Jack is better because he went there. Didn't, did he go to Wabash or no? Where did he go? Yeah, he went to uh, he went to San Jack and then Wabash. Okay, but yeah. Hey, did did he did he uh, did he play with Antoine Kelly or no? Um, I'm not sure. I'll ask him. Did okay. He play with Antoine. Uh, I was there. Uh, Jackson Rutledge. He was there with Jackson Rutledge. Okay. And stuff like that. But hey, you got to see who's here. He just pulled up. It's uh Brian Ramos. He just got added to the 40 man roster with the White Sox. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So he's hanging out with us too. He just got here. He's That's such what's a up. Nasty- yeah, yeah. He, he's he's honestly probably like one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. It's 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 fun to watch him play. So uh, what what makes him so good? You know, pump pump his tires a little bit now that he's there. He's just so strong and like athletic. It's like it's unreal. He's like six three. How much do you weigh, bro? Yeah, so he's like six three, two twenty five. Like no fat on him. He's super explosive. <laughs> he's great defense, and then he'll hit balls like four fifty. That's crazy. But, simple repeatable swing you know so he doesn't struggle with off speed he's he's very mature for his for his time you know so good for him you know shout out to him give him you know pump his tires a little bit for sure no for sure um okay yeah so back to uh jugo round stuff obviously you went to uh, chipotle uh you didn't go to wabash but whatever it's not a big deal um <laughs> how was uh how was your time over there yeah um i absolutely loved uh going junior college it was the best decision I ever made. And, you know, it's just you go and you're around guys that are all trying to do the same thing, whether they're trying to go play at a different uh, different college or they're trying to get drafted. And everybody's on the same mission. You know, if you're going to go junior college to play baseball, you're pretty serious about baseball and you, you really you really value it to your life. And, you know, it's just, it's just a different brotherhood than, you know, I'd say any other thing that I've ever been through. And, it was awesome, and you know we we had a good team. Uh, one year we had eleven draft picks. Jeez. So it was it was awesome. Yeah, that's in, that's insane, and like I love talking to guys who won JUCO because like I hear the stories from like from Wabash, like my guy Antoine Kelly, he went to Wabash. Like he was telling me just like he got in trouble, or not he got in trouble, but like somebody got in trouble, and the whole team was punished um, by doing just random like crazy waking up early and doing these stupid drills for like no reason. Um, like it's just insane, like the the different things you coaches get away with at like a JUCO versus like a D one school. Yeah, it's actually funny. Um, you know, when I was at Chipola, it's like, <laughs> you know, because on the weekends we would have a good amount of like colleges come and watch, like you know, mm-hmm. just trying to recruit players. And it's funny because uh, we lost to a team that we shouldn't have, and there was I like twelve to fifteen schools there, <laughs> and they were waiting over by the fence to talk to one of our pitchers. And we all, we all, we had to run after the game. We went down the line and we just ran until we threw up. And our coach was like, Hey, Brady, 
you better tell that coach. He's like, you'll have to call him on the phone because <laughs> he's like, cause we're not going to be over there for a while. So the guy hung out by the fence for about an hour until, uh, until we finished and then he just winded up leaving because we were running for so long. Jeez. But it's just, that wouldn't happen at like a division one school. No, not at all. Like I know, uh, like, uh, apple pie Valley, I think is the one in like Arizona. Like I've heard, uh, some crazy stories from there and Wabash, a bunch of others. It's, it's funny how, how everything kind of goes down there. Um, and like, you didn't get a win championship. Obviously you had like your injury and stuff, but the guys, while yeah. you were there, they did win a championship and they win like every year. Like shout out to them for just being like, a, like a legitimately like, top tier school yeah yeah for sure uh, i'm actually having a bloody nose right oh, now Oh, nah, okay it's all good you don't wait yeah yeah so we'll just have to take a little break yeah you're good i'm having a bloody nose on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry climate yeah it's it's i guess because coming from new york to arizona yeah do you talk about that dry climate out there man it's it's snowing over here how you doing man hey how's it going uh what's your name again Brian Ramos, what's your name? Francisco. Oh, nice to meet you. Yeah, how's, uh, hey, congratulations on the 40, man, bro. Thank you, man, I appreciate it. They just, they just uh, give me the news, like, a couple days ago. So, you know, I'm pretty excited and happy. Yeah, no, that's sick. Cool deal, cool deal. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Cuba, I'm from Cuba. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, my, I'm from my, Cuba. my dad was born in Puerto Rico. Oh, you know, oh, you, know, so you make Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. You speak Spanish. Oh, okay, that's cool. Little, poquito. Yeah. <laughs> so you born here or, or what? Uh, California. Oh, California, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was born in Puerto Rico. You know a little Spanish then? Poquito. Poquito Espanol. Oh. You, you died from Puerto Rico, you say, right? Yeah, he was born in Puerto Rico, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. So that was a pleasure. I'm going to let you talk with you with all. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just having a bloody nose, I guess, because Arizona from New York, it's like a different climate. No, that's that's fair. Like it's, I'll say here, it's uh, dude, it's snowing, or it, it was snowing. It's cold and stuff, but uh, um, I don't even know what we were talking about to be honest. <laughs> we were talking about JUCO. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, obviously, you, you, your, your team won that one year. Um, you were injured and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. but you, you decided to transfer you at uh, UCF. Um, yeah. Did you play two years at at uh, Chipola or? Or what? I played a year, and then I also uh, I got hurt, so then I was rehabbing my elbow, and okay. I was still around the team and just practicing with them and and uh, working out there. So, what was maybe one of the biggest differences then going from like uh, Chipola to UCF? You know, I mean, you know, going to Chipola, it's cool because it was really good competition. It was yeah. kind of like playing one baseball already. So then, when you go there, it's you're you're prepared for it and you're ready, but then also, like the coaches at at UCF are, are really good at like developing mm -hmm. players. They're really good on the offensive side, just because they they have you do the right things. Like the routines and drills that they have you do are all good, and what the you know what pro players do. Mm -hmm. And then you know we hit a lot of machine and we face good pitching. We inter squad a lot in the fall, so then we play a lot of good players. Mm -hmm. And then you naturally just get better and continue to develop and stuff. No, for sure. So then, how was it like? Obviously, because they had a, the the football team was like just electric. Like they were just a wagon. Um, Twenty five game win streak, um, undefeated. I mean, I don't know if you could consider them national championships. Maybe you were on that bandwagon. Maybe you're, maybe not. But uh, I mean, like, how was it just going to those games and just watching like the atmosphere that they they were in? 
yeah it was so cool because like you know the year that i was there like they went undefeated and it was just really cool to see and and it i'm happy that college players are starting to get paid now oh because for sure i pretty much like blow up that school the amount of money that they brought in and how much they changed that school just because they were really good at football mm-hmm. was like the amount of people that wanted to come to the games tailgate um the football games were incredible it was so fun so i'm super happy that i went there at that time it was yeah. awesome and you know it was just cool seeing like mackenzie milton shakeem griffin like walking around campus like mm-hmm. you know, they were rock stars there so it was awesome yeah so like obviously they're rock stars the football team was just like loaded and like obviously a really good group of guys like what about the baseball team like how, how was the baseball team when you were there uh we were good uh we 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 were first four out to make it to a regional but we put up two I think we were around 35 and 24 both years that I was there. And we had good seasons. You know, that conference is really tough. You know, playing East Carolina, South Florida, mm-hmm. uh, Houston, Memphis, like that. There's not really a let up in that in that conference. It's, it's super underrated, in my opinion, the American. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was good. But, you know, now they're going to the Big 12. So that, that's awesome for them. They're going to have more more chance to make it to the tournament. And it's just going to be good for UCF, you know. No doubt. When, when does that like officially start then, like them that they're in the Big 12? Uh, next year. Oh, so next season. That's crazy. Not the following season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Uh, good for them. Obviously, it's going to be more like more money, more eyes on them, more it's just opportunity for like, every athlete like, involved in that in that school, which is pretty sick. Yeah, exactly. Um, who was maybe one team that you loved to face then when you were in college? That one team that you just, you're like, all right, I'm going to go two for three with a home run and maybe pimp, a, pimp the home run while I'm there. <laughs> I mean, I loved playing against University of Florida just because, like, they were, like, the uh, big in-state, like, school. Like, growing up, like, I remember the schools that I, like, would say that I, re- I remembered playing, like, watching on TV was University of Florida, North Carolina, LSU. Mm-hmm. And, like, so then, you know, when I got to play Florida, that was really cool. And my uncle was also a big Florida fan. So then, you know, playing against them, that was awesome. And we played against them. Um, I, I think we played against them four times when I was there, so it was fun. Yeah. No, for sure. So what was maybe that one game that you had your best outing where you're like, all right, man, like this is that one game I could look back and I'm going to tell my grandkids about where like everyone just looked at me with some respect on that after that game? Uh, I'd say it was against Florida. You know, we played, they were ranked number one in the country and we played them at our place and, and we won and it was, it was sold out. It was like 5,000 people there for like that little stadium was packed and and then we wound up beating them, I think, 9-6, but it was a good game. Jonathan India was on the other team. Oh, nice. And uh, a bunch of other players and, you know, had a good game, went four for five. And it was just fun. You know, it was just cool because, you know, that another going back to JUCO, it's cool because going from JUCO and then playing against University of Florida in front of 5,000 people, it was just it was just cool, you know, so. Cause, yeah, no, for sure. Because I've, I've talked to guys in Juco's who got like maybe 30, 40 people at, at some games, maybe a couple hundred. <laughs> um, like it's just it wasn't yeah. pulling. They weren't pulling fans like obviously a D1 school, um, even D2 or D3 schools might have been pulling just just because they're smaller campuses and things of that nature. Um, you got drafted twice um, after um, your first year in Chipola. You went back to school. Um, then you get drafted by the White Sox in the 27th round back in, in, in 2019. Um, what was um, that draft day, like for you, we'll talk about the second time. The first time is just kind of, I think it was like a courtesy pick kind of thing. But like, what was that like moment for you when you get drafted? Um, I mean, it was, it was a different, like kind of like a difficult process for mm-hmm. sure, because you, 
you don't really know what you're going to wind up doing. If, yeah, I was a senior, so I was going into my into I was either going to start playing baseball or go into like the workforce and try and figure out what I want to do in my life. Um, and just you know, you meet with all those teams and stuff, and you don't really know how it's going to go. They kind of give you these these projections and their opinion on where they could see you getting drafted. And then, you know, it's not up to the area scout a lot of the time, you know? So it's, it's, uh, they can say that they would pick you in the sixth to 10th round and then it probably doesn't happen. And, you know, the draft day is super, it's super long, like the, you know, cause day one, day two, and then I was drafted on day three. So I was waiting like hours and I was just seeing a lot of kids that, you know, I played against get drafted. And I was like, Oh God, like, am I going to get a chance? Like all I wanted was a chance to play. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I remember, uh, you know, after the 20th round happened, I just, me and my family, we were like listening to it outside on our back porch. I just went inside and I was like, I'm not watching this anymore. So then I went walk around my, around my neighborhood. And then I got back and was sitting on the couch and, and I saw some, some, some random person commented on my Instagram, like congrats to getting drafted. And I didn't even know, I, Oh God, I got picked. So then I didn't know what team it was from. So then I pulled up the draft tracker and saw it was the White Sox. Then like 10 minutes later, they, they called me and, you know, it wound up being awesome. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. So it's cool. Yeah. No, shout out to that one random person who, you know, broke the news <laughs> to you. I mean, like Jeff, yeah. there were Jeff passing over there, just breaking news left and right. <laughs> For sure. That's awesome. So I think that comment, I got to find like who it was. No, you legit, you got to do that. You got to go back, kind of backtrack, maybe get him a bag, get him a signed ball, you know, hook him up. Yeah, exactly. Was it, do you even like, was it just like a random person completely? Or was it just like, you know, like a schoolmate, uh, classmate kind of thing? Or was it just like some, like completely out of the blue stranger? I think it was like a random baseball fan that was literally just following the draft. And then, so, oh, this person got drafted. I'm going to message him. And then he messaged me. So. That's crazy. So what maybe talking about messaging, like what is maybe the craziest message you've gotten or a DM you gotten from like a fan um, or just a random person like, you know, trying to get in your DMs as a, as a baseball player? Maybe you had a good game. Maybe you had a bad game. They're just letting they want to let you know. <laughs> I mean, not really any DMs, but I just remember when I was when I was in Kannapolis in 2019 and I started off 0 for 14 and, and I remember walking out to the field and these these fans are telling me they're like, "Hey, I hope you get your first hit today." Jeez, and I was literally like, "Yeah, I hope so too, man." Yeah, did you? Did you get your first hit? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so I met by the, I met a, he met me by the uh, the alleyway to go back into the clubhouse, and I was like, "Hey, you brought the good juju." That's what's I was up. Like, you got to be able to bring him with you every every game now. You gotta, he has to be your personal like caddy, but for like baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Hype, hype you up with a little negative energy before before each at bat, you know, like you suck. All right, well, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, believe it or not, like one of the best places to play. Like, it's it's funny because like you can really hear everything they're saying, but it's Hickory, North Carolina. Like they they oh. there five guys there. They're in high A, and they just roast you with a megaphone. You can hear everything they're saying so clearly. <laughs> That's and they just go to every game. If they go to every single that's, home game, that's sweet. and they're super loyal fans. But uh, yeah, it's funny because like I remember at the time I was leading the team in strikeouts, and they were just they wouldn't stop saying that every single at bat, bringing up that I was leading the team in strikeouts. I was like, that was hilarious. That's crazy. Well, like and like fans in minor league stadiums are they're so insane. Like you sometimes you get like um, the most random like 
middle of nowhere town and like half the guys are drunk and uh, just <laughs> kids yelling and screaming, signing my ball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a wild atmosphere playing in the minor leagues. That's for sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it is for sure. So well, it's funny because. I mean, just you'll just get roasted sometimes, but you just got to wear it. it is no, crazy. legitimately, you just got to wear it. And you just like, whatever, that's it is what it is. Um, and I saw I remember uh, watching, I think maybe it might have been on YouTube or something. And you got hit by a pitch and dugouts <laughs> emptied. Like, what? like, I mean, what's going on with that, man? How come you didn't charge the mound? Yeah. So uh, so the batter before me was Xavier Fernandez. He's one of our catchers with the system. And and he he got in a little altercation with the uh, opposing team catcher. Yeah. And the, the bench is cleared prior to me getting hit by the pitch. So I was up next and we just cleared benches. So I was like, all right, there's a good chance that I'm going to get hit here. <laughs> and if I do get hit, I feel like I have to charge. Them yeah. out. <laughs> so then I get hit first pitch. And, you know, you could kind of tell when this guy's going to hit you because he's staring, right? Yeah. He's like, you're watching the pitcher. He's not staring at the glove. He's looking at you. Yeah. And so he hit me and then I take a few steps out to charge them out. <laughs> And I just got back from getting injured, so I ran out. I was like, I can't get back. Suspended, <laughs> more games. Yeah. So I veered right off to first base, and the bench is cleared. But I got suspended anyway, so I might as well have done it. <laughs> so what are they suspending for? Just like because the first couple steps that you took, they're like, well, you're maybe provoking uh, an altercation or whatnot, um, or just what, what was their like, thought process behind that? Yeah, so I got suspended for just provoking a benches clearing like altercation, and then I miss. I got suspended for one game, and then got fined. But luckily, our team paid for the fine, so that helped me out a oh, lot. Oh, shout out to them! Yeah, that might have been half your whole like yearly paycheck. <laughs> exactly right. So that was super big on their behalf, but they're awesome with that. So yeah, uh, another thing I want to get at you is talking about you know a little bit of beef here and there. Um, the, the <laughs> chirping. There's a writer, or I don't know what he for a blog or whatever he may be for. But you were kind of chirping back at him on Twitter, like what what is going on with that? Like, give us some backstory on on your beef with this uh, this uh, socks uh, writer or whatever he is. Yeah, well, I actually deleted my Twitter. Oh, <laughs> snaps. Okay. Yeah, just because you know I would get too emotionally invested in some of the stuff I was, so I just deleted it. But um, but yeah, so you know I, he would just consistently write about me on his socks. Uh, website or whatever so i just responded back i said if you're just gonna like write negative stuff and without watching me play and coming to our games just stop writing about me and that's kind of what i said um because you know he's just doing his job but you know he he's not coming to the games and he doesn't know like yeah. the business that kind of the reasonings to why i'm maybe DHing opposed to like like it's not just because like this kid can't play a position it's just because that's how it is you know in the minor leagues mm -hmm. they you know that they invested money and play the position so it is what it is yeah and, and that's um like the politics of minor leagues like if you're a high draft pick you're gonna get so much more leeway versus guys who maybe a little drafted a little bit later and um who even if even if they're not performing that's just kind of the way the minor league system is it's it is what it is kind of thing yeah but you got to get to double a because then when you get to double a it's like the coaches are, they're like told where it's like all right now we're just playing the best players we're gonna oh, try and win okay we're gonna for trying to like play in the big leagues because like yeah. all the big leagues like when you get there it's you got to win yeah but at the lower that's when it's more of the uh politics but then double a triple a it's more like we're gonna play yeah. I, I didn't know that it's cool that's good to know because i mean like i mean i've heard guys tell me stories are like that guys who've been out of the league now who you know never got the call up um things of that nature like it's 
there's a lot of politics involved and but it's cool to know that like once you get higher levels then some of that just kind of disappears and, and stuff like that yeah for sure and i mean our manager here with in double a with the Sox, he's awesome he's trying to win every game so i really liked playing for him but uh his name's justin jershaw he's a great guy and uh yeah yeah no for sure so w- when you're not playing baseball what do you do for fun obviously you're the, you're there in arizona like I mentioned, it's there's snow outside my my. If I look at my window, I just I see snow. It's not like it's twenty degrees right now. It feels like eight degrees. Um, you're yeah. out there in sunny Arizona. Like, what do you do for fun? You know, we'll ride bikes. Uh, I like going to restaurants, uh, having a couple drinks, maybe once or twice a week, and then, um, you know, just going on hikes. Uh, there's great mountains out here to hike, like Camelback Mountain, sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing that, going to Sedona, like sightseeing around here in Arizona, it's like super pretty. It's like, you know, it's like you don't realize how nice of a place this is until you come. And it's so cool. So mm-hmm. I, I, want, I might want to live here one day. Yeah, no, like I, and like I think I've driven through Arizona. Um, I've never actually been there for more than like I think I ate at a restaurant driving through on like the way to Texas one year a while back. But uh, hey, hmm? you should come this spring and come to a couple games. Just, all right, so I'm I'm kind of torn because I I want to go to Florida. Like, there's a couple guys in that in the Florida in the the Rays and the Marlins organization. Um, but then I also know like you and a couple guys in, who are in Arizona. So I'm trying to debate where where I'm going to go. So I'm still kind of uh, up in the air where where I'm going to be where I'm going to be going. Hopefully for spring training and stuff. So if I give you any advice, you got to come to Arizona because you know I, I've been in Florida for college and stuff and. The Florida is great at training as well, but the amazing thing about Arizona is all the teams are so close. Yep. So you can go games and the furthest drive is going to be 45 minutes. So Big Kev just said the Valley is the spot to be at yeah. for spring training. Because, you know, there's just so many good teams out here and, you know, yeah. you could drive like you could you could watch three games in a day. The Dodgers, the Sox and the Giants, you know, in like all 15 minutes uh, drive. So that's, that's a fair cool. point. I mean, I feel I feel if I do go there, it'd be I I, I would watch a ton of games, but I would try to I would go there try to make a bunch of content too, just like try to interview a bunch of guys, um, just do stuff to grow the brand and whatnot. And I think that there's a lot of cool spots out here in Arizona, mm-hmm. like where you can film some great content, and I think that's cool too. Yeah, maybe we'll do some live at bats. You know, see if I can take what uh what I'm gonna be watching from your videos and stuff, <laughs> put put that yeah, into practice. <laughs> We'll get you on the machine out here. I'd love to hear that, man. All right, dude. Uh, you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your uh, holiday, bro. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.